0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Neurological, um, where we hope you get psyched about true crime and everything related to that. Um, So I'm here with my partner in crime and psychology, Tiana, and today we're going to discuss a little bit more about uh, Jennifer Storm, our uh, Pennsylvania's uh, victim advocate.
1: So let's just dive right in. Tell us about Jen Storm. What's her role? Who is she? I know you just read, what, Blackout Girl from her?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so give us some insights.
0: For those of you who don't know, every state, depending on how they operate, um, has someone that might serve in a similar role. Uh, depends on what office they're in. But Pennsylvania is fortunate. We have our own office of victims. We have our office of the victim advocate. And this is a person that's appointed by the governor of the state. Um, so in our state, it's it's currently Jen uh, Jennifer Storm. Um, she started as a victim advocate, or as the victim advocate, I should say, um, as the state's victim advocate um, in two thousand and thirteen, and has been in that role ever since. Um, in Pennsylvania, she and the victim advocate serves for six years as appointed by the governor. I, you know, can be reappointed. Uh, after that six year term and the victim the victim advocate's role is to um, just like the name implies but uh kind of s- support um, the cause for victims of crimes um, in in the state and um, ensure that their rights um, that their voices are heard within the criminal justice system basically their role in a nutshell um obviously there's more intricacies of it um they might also do some you know policy advocacy where they're trying to get things changed in terms of the laws but also um just you know speaking on behalf of victims um, or with victims i should say but that's kind of jennifer storm's uh role in the state um and similar in other states as well
1: Mm -hmm. well and where you used to work uh at nova um that your office worked very closely with her and her office, right?
0: Yeah, the network of victim assistants had a good uh, relationship with her um, in terms of everything victim advocacy related.
1: Mm-hmm. And you even met her at that one conference. I did meet her. I was 10 feet away, you guys. Mm-hmm. She's like a celebrity to me. Alex met her. <laughs> yes, I was,
0: I was graciously introduced um, through one of our staff members, uh, she wanted me to meet her at that conference. She was a speaker at the conference. That's why she was there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Lynn, she's also written some books, too, which you've taken a little bit of a dive into. Um, wh- what would you say, like, what did you gain from reading so far you've read Blackout Girl?
0: She has several books, I and mean, I do want to get into the other ones, but um, I... What I can appreciate with her, um, her books is that they provide that personal account. So you only see her because she's in a professional role right now. You see mainly her professional side. Um, you see, you know, what she's done in terms of uh, while she's been in that role. Um, but this kind of gives you a background of, you know, maybe why she wanted to get into this role. Um, some of her knowledge, where it comes from, and uh, some of the reason behind you know her passion for this this field. So I really liked that in the in the book. Um, I liked that in the book. She really didn't hold back. It seemed like um, I don't think she really like you know said well I'm not going to talk about that because you know that's that's too much or um, I don't want people to know that. Um, she kind of just let it all out there and you know kind of kind of says to people you make your assessments of me, um, I'm, I'm proud of where I am now. Um, and I am who I am because of what I've experienced. Um, in addition to, you know, what I've done for myself, uh, like advocating for, for others and myself. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I know I found when I read through her books, um, what I was really drawn to and why I just really look up to her so much is, you know, I don't like to like put people in boxes, But what stood out to me is that she fits so many different multicultural reference groups and has emanated such strength from her experiences, um, which, from my perspective, makes her such an ideal candidate for the role that she is in. Um, But there's been some controversy to that. So do you want to speak to just kind of what's been going on, um, really kind of threatening her position? Recently.
0: So there's two main threats to her position, basically. The first um, was that they were trying to introduce, and I say they, the, the legislators of Pennsylvania, were trying to introduce amendments um, to the way that we operate as a, as a commonwealth, uh, saying that a requirement of the victim advocate position for the state would be um, a law degree or be a certified uh, lawyer. Um, certified attorney. So that was changing the requirements of the position. The second way that they were kind of challenging her in that role is uh, not reappointing her um, after her six-year term. So that, that has expired as of 2019. Um, so that reappointment um, unfortunately uh, was not confirmed um, as of I believe it was a couple a couple months ago that they were having the hearings but um they were voting against her in, in terms of that renewal mm-hmm. so those are the two challenges to her as a in her position
1: yeah well and it's the one with the law degree is the one that gets me the most um because <laughs>
0: if,
1: if i am a victim i want someone just like me i want someone who's going to match my experiences and like i said she fits the boxes for a lot of people mm-hmm. um to just really line up with a lot of people i'm not saying i couldn't get a good service from someone who has a law degree and has all this legal knowledge that's great but looking at it from a humanistic standpoint i'm going to Jen storm right mm-hmm. i'm not going to the attorney if i'm going to have my choices and I read about one, I read about the other, I'm probably, I should say probably, not definitely because I don't know what the other candidate would look like with a law degree. Right. Um, but it also just raises, it's such an interesting time because like we've talked about, you know, we search for jobs and they want 50 years of experience. It's like, okay, well, here's someone, she's got all this experience. Now all of a sudden they're flipping the script on her to say, now you need this education, right? We want someone who has the education. That doesn't fit with our culture right now in hiring. Mm. <laughs> we want experience. Um, and for people like you and I who are just coming out of education, it, it's just not lining up for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, I have a, several uh, points of challenge to that. Um, their belief. Um, and again, I respect the fact that people have their own or, uh, you know, beliefs about what should be and what shouldn't be required. Um, but I, that's one of the things is requirement versus recommendation um, or requirement versus um, suggested background. Um, so a requirement saying, you know, you have to do this, you have to have this uh, in order to be in this role versus a suggest, a suggestion or recommendation would be You know, that'd be great if you had a law degree, but if you don't, it's no big deal. It's not going to discount you from the position. Um, I love when job applications say that instead, you know, we would love this, but at the same time, we recognize that that might not be the only good candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's not fair to say that that's a requirement uh, for her, Um, you know, and Isn't it wild that they jump right to a law degree, which implies not only do you have a bachelor's degree, but then go on for at least two years of law school, the bar, etc. But the idea there being, you know, there's not currently, there's no requirement for her to have a bachelor's degree. Um, So why do we jump right ahead to saying now you need not only a bachelor's degree, but an extra two years of schooling intensive Um, and pass a a huge exam on top of that. So that's a a wild jump to do that as well. Um,
1: Well, and the law part is interesting to me in general. Like, you were a victim advocate. You Mm -hmm. did things similar to her. I won't say her, her job in its entirety, but you did things similar to what she does. Do you think you needed a law degree or more in line with what you went for, more of the social service kind of
0: degree. I don't think you need... I 100% don't believe that you need a law degree to do that job. Um, I think the role of of a victim advocate and the victim advocate is not to argue the law, interpret the law, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't think you need that, that education or that background, um, because I think it puts you in a weird, uh, weird position then, um, because then when you're sitting with the victim, you're looking at it from the, a very similar way to everyone else in the room. Um, when you're in a courtroom, the judge, proud the, the Commonwealth judge in Pennsylvania would have like a law degree background of the court system. Um, the assistant district attorney, they're going to have a law degree. The defense attorney, they're going to have a law degree. Um, So the the main players already in the courtroom, they all have their law degrees. So just adding another person to that mix with a law degree, I don't think is the solution here. Mm -hmm. Um, Besides the police officer, the victim advocate is the only one in the room without a law degree. That's a professional, we'll say. Everyone else in the room has one. So it's, it's kind of just saying, well... You know why? Why everyone in the room has to have the same background and same perspective? Mm-hmm. I, I I really don't think it's a it should be a requirement. Um, again, if it's kind of we'll say a bonus, you know the victim advocate does have a law degree, that's great. Um, it can be helpful, I'm sure, but is, should it be required? No.
1: Yeah, it almost seems to me, and this is totally biased, my opinion uh, rooted in just some of my own like feminist beliefs that, you know, she's a very empowered woman. You can see that coming from her. Um, that's intimidating. Whether it's a male or a female, you see someone who's empowered, it can be intimidating if you have your own insecurity. So it's, it's almost a question to me, like, are we slapping this, uh, law degree requirement as a way to to make it an automatic, we'll boot her out that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, these positions, again, they're appointed by the governor. Um, they are at that person's recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. Fun fact, the governor of Pennsylvania does not have to have a law degree. Hmm. The governor can write executive orders similar uh, to how a president can write executive orders. Obviously, the governors only affect the state, um, but the governor of Pennsylvania—no requirement in uh, Pennsylvania's constitution that a governor re- requires a law degree. Um, would I think that
1: you just ticked me off even more?
0: <laughs> would that be helpful, though? <laughs> yes. Um, fun fact: all of the legislators who write the laws also don't require a law degree. They—they they can. They can have a law degree. Sure. Um, and would that be helpful? Certainly. But do they... Are they required? Not by any means. So the people who are writing the laws um, are, aren't even required to have a law degree. Um, another couple fun facts. Um, you know, police officers, no requirement to have a law degree. And I don't think that they should have... They should have to have a law degree. Um, magisterial district judges in Pennsylvania, um, so they are, I would say one of the first kind of gateway to the criminal justice system, besides the police officer themselves, um, these are the people who determine if uh, cases are kind of moved on to the next step of the criminal justice system. They kind of can weed out some of the other, uh, some of the cases that don't have enough evidence. Um, They can operate similar to judges that you are more familiar with in the sense that they can interpret the laws, they can interpret which charges are held, Um, They can interpret what evidence is uh, allowed. Um, They can interpret what objections are allowed in the courtroom. Um, They determine bail for people. All these things. They don't require to have a law degree. They actually, their training, they go to a, um, I don't know how long it is exactly, but they go to a magisterial district judge training. Um, So really these people can come from all different backgrounds. One of the judges that, um, magisterial district judges that we worked with And when I was an advocate, his former job, or one of his former jobs, he was a postal worker. And I'm not saying that postal workers are not qualified to do that, but that just gives you an idea that he had no criminal justice training before he went on to be a a judge. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, and it evidences that utilizing that knowledge... The courtroom is then made up of people with all kinds of different backgrounds, right. except when it comes to considering Jen Storm for reappointment. And then all of a sudden, no, she should fit the box to have this law degree because, mm-hmm. and then fill in some
0: I, yeah, and I don't, I don't even know a reason. <laughs> I don't even think the people who are arguing this amendment have a, a specific reason or reasons why they believe that this should happen. Um... I know one of the the other arguments with her was that, you know, she focuses too much on this type of victimization. Um, So, you know, child sexual abuse or sexual abuse in general. Um, There's too much focus on that. Um, And, you know, I, I counter that with, you know, she's advocating for people who don't normally get a lot of advocacy So to say that she cares too much about a specific population is kind of a weird statement. Like, you know, you need to care a little bit less about them so that you can care more about others too. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea that, you know, if that's an area that she has, she's drawn to or passionate about because of her own experiences um, or just has a professional, you know, uh, connection to that, then that, that happens in a lot of professions, you know, we certain, you just, you're drawn towards certain interests. Mm-hmm. You know, you have certain research interest. I have certain research interests, you know, all this different stuff. Um, so I don't think that's a, a bad thing necessarily.
1: Well, and we also have to look at the trends at what has been happening. You know, obviously crimes of all type have been happening since she's, since she's been in that position, but the clergy sex abuse case has been a huge component, um, of victimization while she's been in that position. So it makes sense why you know there would be lots of attention there. With the summer, this past summer, really bringing um, attention and awareness to racial injustices. Mm-hmm. It's very possible that then the, the focus might shift toward that. Mm-hmm. It's Because it's what we're paying attention to as a society. Um, and she may continue to still have, you know, here's my, my interest, here's my niche. But we're not looking at the whole picture to see what what the trends were
0: yeah i mean another big one in pennsylvania and it was definitely known nationally bill cosby Mm -hmm. um was a huge one uh penn state um that case uh with
1: sandusky yeah
0: sandusky case um and all the related abuse there um so these are i mean i i personally think that you know you don't only advocate for what the public has their ear open for Mm mm-hmm but if the public has their ear open for it, you should probably take advantage of that time for sure. to, to, to use that momentum that is already there. You know, if it's, if, if it's being covered, um, and you have the public's attention, what better time to use that and, you know, try to make some changes that will help. Um, cause it, I'm sure, you know, if Jen Storm listens to this, um, she can, uh, that it's not easy to get people's attention, especially with. Tough uh, topics like this, mm-hmm. um, you know, people don't want to face these kind of things or talk about these things at the dinner table or, you know, anything like that. So, if these are things that are already in the media and we can kind of use that platform, you know, why not?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to kind of go back to your point about like, you you asked in in what circumstances would you need the law degree to be a victim advocate. And I'm going to use myself as an example. If I were to apply to a position like hers, I have such surface level knowledge of the criminal justice system and how laws work and stuff. So there's a case where I would say, if not the full degree, more training. But when you listen to her speak and you listen to her different public, public appearances, she knows it. You could hand her an honorary degree, in my opinion. Like she knows what she's talking about so her specifically needing a law degree i don't think so candidates up and coming that you know maybe they're they're really good in the human services aspect and they're going to be great compassionate empathic victim advocates um but they won't really know how to have conversations about the legal aspect not saying they're giving legal advice but just those conversations undoubtedly come up um and if you don't know how to navigate those and you're like, I don't know what would come next. Well, then maybe you should get more training in in the legal world. I still don't know that it warrants a full degree. I think you're taking away a, a spot for someone who wants to go and get a degree and be an attorney. You know, yeah. The admissions process is very selective in school. So I, if you want it, great, go get it. But to require it is...
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, the role... I can speak from my own experience as a victim advocate. Your role is again, you're not there to spit out the law. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not there to uh, provide legal advice. You know, you're not co- uh, consulting. You're not telling the victim, "Okay, well, this is what you have to do." Um, you know, a defense attorney is guiding their client. That the defendant, um, based on their legal knowledge, what's the best course of action here? That's their role. Um, the district attorney, their role is to argue the state's, uh, evidence, the state's perspective, um, again, with balancing the community protection, um, with the defendant in mind as well, you know, did they, did they really do this or not? Um, and then the judge and the jury are the ones that kind of, weigh the facts and all that kind of stuff. But again, the victim advocate, none of that. That's not their role. They're not weighing the facts. They're not arguing one way or another. They're not providing legal advice. They're not um, making a decision on the case. So all those roles, they're already taken up. The role of them is support. So provide support to the person. Again, you don't need a law degree to provide support, emotional support, you know, psychological support. now, as a victim advocate, do you provide some education? Yes. Um, do you necessarily need to have a law degree to provide that education? No. Mm-hmm. Can you learn some of that information through college experience? You know, uh, my, m- the agency I worked for, it was a requirement to have a bachelor's degree. Um, did they say what the bachelor's degree had to be in? No. But they preferred, you know, human services, social services, criminal justice, Um, psychology, social work, any of those. Um, And we had a diverse makeup on our staff, and I think that was appropriate. Um, But you can also learn a lot through your experiences, and I know I did for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, as an advocate, you're going to court three, four, five times a week, and just sitting there, as long as you're not ignoring everything going on, you're going to absorb a lot of information and a lot of good knowledge. You're also supposed to collaborate with the other members of the team. So, the assistant district attorney, the defense attorney, um, the judge, sometimes, um, the police officer, the detectives. So, if you had that law degree, your role might be different um, going into that situation because you would try to be, you know, oh, hey, I know that this subsection, this, like, that would be your new added responsibility or role. With that knowledge, Um, because with more knowledge, you you might have more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, as an advocate, your focus is on the victim. And what do they need? Do they need you to give them legal advice? No. Do they need you to go out and ask the district district attorney, hey, what does this law mean? Yes, you can do that. Um, And you can kind of act as that liaison or, you know, connection. But is it your role to do that all by yourself? No, not necessarily. I think that takes away the focus on the victim.
1: For sure. So do you know, like, what the next steps are? I feel like we heard a lot about this a couple weeks ago, and then it's just right now in limbo. Do you know what what's happening?
0: Uh, like many things in the media, it's like <laughs> waves. You know, <laughs> it pours out gushing. <laughs> All over the news. And gets
1: us all fired up around the dinner table to right. discuss these issues. And then
0: issues. it's almost like, you know, they toss the grenade, and then they say, good luck. And then, you know, seven months go by, and then they say, oh, by the way.
1: That story we covered back in December. Yes,
0: let's follow up with that and see what's going on. Um, yeah, Which is totally,
1: it's totally fine. We're not knocking the media. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: again, they got to cover what's going on. and
1: What's going to grab people's attention.
0: Um, but no, there really hasn't been any updates. Um, I'm sure, you know, Jen Storm would love to know what's the next step. Um, they made their, they made that decision. I know that the governor was trying to fight that um, because he was advocating for her to have a second term um, mm-hmm. in the position. Um, and people, you know, try to make it political, uh, as with many things this year. no. Uh, and i don't again not to to we're not knocking politics but um this isn't political in the sense that you know uh democrats versus republicans one way or another the idea she was actually appointed by a republican governor the current governor of pennsylvania is a democrat he's also advocating for her to have a se- he's advocating for her to have a second term mm-hmm. so there you have both sides of the political um spectrum spectrum, both advocating for her to be on there there's republican and democrat uh, representatives that are saying that she should should or shouldn't be you know in her role again um so it's not really you know one way or the other but i think you know she deserves some clarity like i'd want to know if my job was coming again Mm -hmm. um
1: yeah. So Jen, if you're listening, we love you. You do amazing work. We see it, we hear it. Um, and we're hoping the best for you.
0: Yes, we definitely are. And, um, I think, you know, if anything, her, her work, her, this, this issue, um, on its own, I think she might even, I don't want to speak for her, but. I think she might even use this as a, a way to say, you know, we need to really see what we're doing here mm-hmm. um, and, like, critically examine it.
1: For sure, yeah. And if you haven't yet heard of Jen Storm, um, I would highly, highly recommend checking out her books, um, even just to give you a nice, good read into someone's life. They're not hard to read by any means. Um,
0: they're they're memoir-style, so yeah. it's, like, about her life. And
1: I learned so, so much Um, and it, it helped me professionally, um, doesn't mean you have to read them if you're a counselor and that's the only person who can read them, but, um, she's really helped me just hone in on my own empathy skills and stuff. So, um, she's got three different books and then just came out with like a, an update to Blackout Girl and then The Awakening, which is like a more journal style, I think.
0: Uh, it's more like a reflection. Practical, like, yeah, what yeah. can you do? What can you do? The other ones are more her stories. And well,
1: stuff. and then she has the guidebook one. That that one's a really good one for victims. I'd given you that one when you were a victim advocate. Mm. It's like guiding you oh, through oh, the yeah. criminal justice system. Yeah. yeah. So, really, really good resources. Yeah.
0: The, the one that she just came out with had a lot more uh, updates because of the Me Too mo- movement and all. Okay. So... That's why it's the same title in all Blackout Girl. It's just the new one because of the updated everything that's happened since that one was released.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, They're on my Santa list.
0: <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, So that, yeah, that definitely check out her books. Um, she's featured on a lot of podcasts. Um, you can read more about this whole situation in my, my blog post about it.
1: Um, Her social media pages, too. I think she just uses Jennifer Storm, like, her full name. Um, But she's been doing a lot of, just, like, videos. One of them was, like, self-care tips and things like that. Again, evidences how she's in this for people, which is great.
0: Her Instagram is storm119. There we go. So you can check that out. She does all kinds of stuff. Um, You can follow that. Um, But, yeah, we hope we... Educated a little bit more about victim advocacy and her role. um, Kind of challenged some thoughts, too. So, thank you very much. Remember, Neurological is a true crime podcast to be psyched about. (laughs)